0: This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM The Voice of Harlem. Let your voice be heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. My name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Alyssa Fuchs, and of course we have Stanley Fritz on the PC ones and twos. And as I mentioned, at the very beginning of the show, we have two great guests lined up this half of the um this half of the hour to talk about. A topic that sort of isn't getting much spotlight nowadays. Now, I, I'll start off by saying this. So the Catholic population has actually uh, doubled, growing from about six six uh, hundred 600.6 million, actually over 600.6 million in 1970, to now 1.2 billion in 2013. And in 2013, statistics show there were about 400,000 priests worldwide, And then a new John Jay College um, study came out. Actually, it came out a few years ago, but it said it examined priest sex abuse between the years of 1950 and 2002, and it found that 4% of all the priests in the priesthood have actually been accused of abusing a child. So, you know, I did the math, and I said 4% of the current population of priests equates to over 16,000 pedophile priests. And I'm giving you these statistics to say that, um, you know, back when Pope Francis was here— uh, in 2015, over the summer, everyone was talking about um, the Pope, Catholicism, and of course, the Catholic Church sex abuse scandal um, was was again back into back into national spotlight. But it sort of died down, except for the fact that this Academy nominated film, Spotlight, is is giving this issue some more time and attention now if you have not seen the movie spotlight i will i highly recommend that you go see it while it is still in theaters it already won a sag award and it's up for best picture at the oscars if you will be boycotting like me don't worry you can google it and find out if it won the next day but i wanted to say that um in the movie uh What happens is the Boston Globe actually investigates what was going on in Boston around the year 2002. This was a time and this was a decade in which the Catholic Church wasn't really promoting or talking about the abuse that was going on um, in America and, and across the country. And it was sort of just like brushing it under the rug. They would they would make settlements with victims. They would still. They would make sure that legal documents um, weren't in the public eye. They did. A, they took a number of measures just to keep this issue under the rug. And it was a special team in the Boston Globe, that newspaper, that said, "You know what? We're going to take some time and we're going to dedicate a couple of months of finding out what happened." And they found dozens of uh, priests who were actually abusing. Children, and then they found even more children who were victims of sexual abuse rape, etc., etc. et cetera. So, you know, we commend the Boston globe because it's like without them actually dedicating all of this time and taking this courageous stance to talk about an issue when the Catholic church had so much control over the community, even over local governments and officials. But they said, you know what? We're going to tackle this case and we're going to bring it to spotlight. Um, and, and that's why then the film I'm assuming was named spotlight. So, you know, we actually have a very special guest on the line who appeared in the film his name is neil huff he was also a former series regular on the show the wire which is very familiar to everyone so i wanted to welcome him on the show how you doing Neil?
1: good good thank you for having me
0: thank you so much for joining us here you did a great job in the film um yeah and i wanted to start off by asking you can you sort of tell us about the character that you play
1: yeah, I play Phil Saviano, who is the man who the uh, spotlight team brings in. He's kind of the first survivor uh, slash victim who, of, of uh, clergy abuse that he brings um, uh, quite a bit of information to them uh, in the film.
0: Right, that is exactly right. Um, so, I mean, playing a someone who is a survivor of sex abuse, but... It's a a sex abuse from a priest, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking this has to have an even deeper impact uh, because, you know, this is someone who is trusted in the community. Um, I remember there were a couple of lines where these priests were equated to God. That's how much power, that's how much influence they had in the community and especially over children. And it's like you can't—how can you turn away— a priest, and how can you turn away God? So, I mean, what did it take to really get into this character?
1: Well, the more I got to know Phil, the more I learned. And, um, you know, just listening to that great ad before the segment started from Harlem Harlem Hospital about um, awareness in terms of rape and, uh, you know, measures you can take to keep yourself safe on the street. And one of the things that made um, this particular situation, you know, for example, Phil so difficult uh, is that, it, you know, this isn't, you're not dealing with like a standard kind of perp that you can, you know, uh eyeball on the street. You're dealing with somebody who is just under God, you know, in the community, and someone who your family respects, you know, more than anyone else. And the person also, um, in Phil's case, really started early on uh, the process that uh, is referred to as grooming, Mm -hmm. where uh, a a bond is established. So on the very first day that this uh, priest came into Phil's uh, kind of purview, um, he was the monsignor for the the school and uh, parish. And so he came into a classroom, and the nun was teaching the kids. And whenever the monsignor comes in, everybody's supposed to stand up, and uh Father Holly, Father David Holly, who abused Phil, uh, said, "Oh' no no, sister, sit down, so, you know I have to sit down, let's keep teaching, keep teaching. I want to watch your class and as as the uh, sister uh, started uh, you know to teach again, uh the priest went behind her back and started making faces, trying to make the kids laugh. so immediately there's this he's representing God, but then also He's, he's sending these messages saying, I, I'm down on your level, I'm with you guys, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're together. And then it just slowly evolves into something where it's almost like the intimacy he builds up over time almost becomes an insurance policy, uh, you know, guarding the fact that a kid might not speak out. Um, it's a really insidious process, and one that Phil Saviano made very clear, the process of grooming was something that was uh, very specific to this issue.
0: You're right, guys. If you're just tuning in, we have on the line with us Neil Huff. He is an actor in the Oscar nominated film Spotlight, which takes a look at the Catholic Church child abuse sex scandal that has been going on for decades. My co host Alyssa, I know you wanted, I had a question or comment. Yeah, I
2: think what's so frustrating about it for so many people is that the Catholic Church is an institution and it's an institution that, in theory, is supposed to be trusted, that people put their trust into these people. And I think that it's so that manifests in twofold ways. One, it manifests in that when people do start coming forward and saying that these things are happening, a lot of people don't believe them or try and victim blame them because mm-hmm. they, they hold the Catholic Church up to such a high level. And then on the second level, the way that manifests itself, is that then going forward, the Catholic Church uses their place as a powerful institution to try and isolate themselves. I think we're still seeing that today. And I think that's a big criticism that people are still having of Pope Francis, despite the fact that he's very well liked, is that he's not doing enough to deal with this issue. And so I guess, Neil, I'm curious to get your feedback on that, whether you um, you know, also agree with that, and whether you think that the Pope could be doing I, 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 listen, I know that you're an actor, that you play him in the in the film, but from your perspective, do you think the Pope can and should be doing something more to deal with this issue even now today?
1: Literally today. Um, th- there's a commission, I believe it's the final day, of maybe three days uh, meeting of a commission that the Pope set up a few years ago uh, to protect children. And it's headed by Cardinal O'Malley, who is the Cardinal from Boston. There are uh, a few uh, survivors on this panel, and one of them is a man named uh, Pete Saunders, uh, of, you know, a, a survivor of clergy abuse. And it was Pete Saunders' idea, actually, to uh, have the film Spotlight screen uh, to start off this three-day meeting, and Cardinal O'Malley okayed it, and um, there's no word back yet uh, what the response was to the film, but uh, Pope Francis was not there, but the film did screen there. So all that sounds great, right? Right. In literally yesterday, uh, Pete Saunders is suddenly being said, uh, there's reports that he's off the commission now. Um, there's a lot of, uh, it, it's too kind of thorny for me to understand just yet, it's all kind of in process, but I think Saunders' main complaint with this commission, and indeed with the Pope, when the Pope asked him to be on this commission, he said it was a life-changing experience meeting him, he felt incredibly hopeful, but there has not been anything concrete done policy-wise, change-wise, to protect children, in his mind. So, you know, you you bring up a terrific point. It literally is happening right now. They're at the Vatican now discussing this, and uh, there's a lot of diverging opinions about whether or not this is a PR move um, that's the most cynical, or versus, you know, is is policy actually going to change? And it's a huge, huge question mark.
0: You're absolutely right, Neil. Um, a, a question that um, I started thinking about while watching the movie was, were, was there any pushback when ma- making this film? I know when the reporters were putting this story together back in 2002, there was a lot of pushback from um, the archdiocese in Boston. Did you guys experience any pushback when trying to make this film?
1: I know that the church didn't want anybody, uh, didn't want the film filming on any church property. Um, So, but I think that was the extent of any kind of pushback. So I really honestly don't know more than that. I I know that the film was supposed to be made a few years ago, like four or five years ago, and the money kind of went away. It was rolling, and then I think there were some changes in terms of uh, executives, not executives, but producers, and and they were able to finally get the money and make it. But at one point it was happening a few years ago. I think it was very tough uh, to get made but as far as actual overt pushback goes, I think basically they were saying, let's not, uh, you know, you can't film. Um, but, but they've just kind of remained there and uh, as far as we know, um, you know, are responding positively to the film.
0: Oh, And I want to know, how, is, uh, how are audiences, how are the crowds, how are viewers responding to the film?
1: It's amazing. Um, I'm, I'm very close with Phil Saviano, the guy I play, who started the New England chapter of Snap, which, incidentally, one of the reasons Phil Saviano is in this movie, um, when they, uh, Bly Faust and Nicole Rockland went to Spotlight members to get their life rights tell their story, Mike Rosendi said, you've got to talk to this guy, Phil Saviano. And one of the reasons, Phil, is I could go on for hours, believe me, about why Phil is in this film. He's an extraordinary man. Um, but he didn't sign a confidentiality agreement when he settled with the church. He's the only one. He's very, very sick uh, with AIDS, and uh, they thought he was going to die in all likelihood of the Worcester Diocese. He sued the Worcester Diocese as a result. He did not sign a confidentiality agreement, so he was able to just amass so much information. Um, you know, so the time he went into the Globe, he had all of this stuff kind of uh, uh, collated and organized and did all the work that the journalists do in the film,
0: and, you know, before we, we let you go, Neil, tell us why do you feel this film is also being widely, uh, widely received by the Academy and why people should go out and see it?
1: Well, okay, so in kind of answering your, your previous question as well, uh, Phil has been forwarding me responses from survivors all around the world. That response has just been breathtaking. People feel validated by this film, and that's that's more than you could ever hope for. So honestly, I mean, just... It's just humbling, the whole response. Um, the fact that it got made, the fact that it's good, the fact that people want to see it, and the fact now that it's being in the big, big conversation about the major awards that our industry, uh, just for me means that um, there's a real possibility that this issue could really be heard on a level that it hasn't been heard before
2: on the other side of that, Neil, have you received any, not from the Catholic Church itself as the institution, but just from people who are Catholics that uh, and I know a few of them that um, I have a friend who's, uh, I won't name by name, but whose mother is very staunchly Catholic and absolutely refuses to believe any of these things because, you know, she values the Church so much, she values religion so much and her own uh, value of the Church and of her religion has sort of blinded her to this issue to the point where she doesn't believe it. Have you felt that, you gotten any pushback from any groups like that? Um,
1: th- well, the closest I can say, well, first of all, my mom goes to church literally almost every day, and she adores the film, and she was actually livid that um, it, it isn't necessarily Pope Francis's fault, but that Pro- Pope Francis had an audience with Kim Davis, uh, you know, when he was here, uh, the yeah. the court clerk who was anti-gay marriage, mm-hmm. um, and she's like, why didn't Phil Saviano get audience?" Pope. That's who the Pope should be talking
2: to. Absolutely.
1: That, that's a woman who goes to church literally, like, almost every day, like, at least six days a week. So there's that. A good friend of hers, her best friend from college, is very conservative, Opus Dei. I mean, as conservative as it gets in the in the Catholic Church, but the most kind of strangely pushback-y thing I've heard from people is people who say, well, that was really an issue uh, from the 1960s and 70s It's not really an issue anymore That they kind of rationalize it and say And I said to her kind of very gently I said well see the film And you know it. sometimes it takes people Most of the time it takes people decades To be able to talk about it And that could be one of the reasons no, uh, you
2: know, I think that's a great point. You're absolutely right.
0: I mean, if we think about it, most of the victims are children and they're carrying that shame and they don't always feel like there's a necessary outlet or another trusted person. There was a line in the film where someone asked this person, um, asked the victim. Why didn't you say something sooner? Why didn't you tell someone? And the victim's response was, "Who was I supposed to tell? A priest?" So I mean, exactly. and it, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it, it's it, it's really hard, and I think that um, the, I know that the Catholic Church was trying to push and fight the statues of limitations so that oh they, boy, right? Yeah, in
1: New York especially, that's a very very complex one there.
0: Yes, you know, New,
1: New York is involved in that too because I, a, a good friend of mine is a Catholic priest who married my wife and I. And he said it's really interesting because not only is the Catholic Church really against the changing the statute limitations in New York State, but the state itself. Because if it suddenly comes out that there's public school abuse and all kinds of uh, state mandated therapy, they've abused people, um, then you're in a situation where New York is footing the bill. So there's a lot of people trying to protect their money in terms of statute limitation.
0: Right. You're yeah, absolutely right. And again, guys, on the line with us is Neil Huff. Um, tell our listeners how they can follow you and how, I mean, I think you should just be able to Google Spotlight and go see it to, in your theaters. But is there any other other information that you can um, distribute to our listeners right now?
1: Um, well, uh, there's a lot of info on Twitter. The film is on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, I'm on on Twitter as well. Uh yeah, it's pretty much anywhere right now. You, there's, and it's even on uh, on demand right now. I think you can see it uh, on Amazon and iTunes right now. So uh, I really encourage people, and, and honestly, anybody that's feeling slightly nervous about it, it's, it's a really profoundly inspiring film. It makes you feel a lot of adrenaline, and it's a very
3: inspiring film.
0: I agree. Thank you so much, Neil. Um, we're going to let you go, but don't worry, guys. We're going to continue this conversation. We actually have the president of Survivors Network of those abused by priests calling in momentarily, and we'll continue to talk about the Catholic Church child abuse scandal on Let Your Voice Be Heard. And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. The voice of Harlem. Harlem, Harlem. Thank you. That is Stanley Fritz. We have Alyssa Fuchs. And my name, in case you forgot, is Selena Hill. Uh, Where we left off break, we were speaking with Neil Huff. He is one of the actors in Spotlight, which is a film, again, that addresses the ongoing Catholic Church child sex abuse scandal. And when we first started the segment, I wanna correct myself because the movie was named after the investigative team at the Boston Globe that uncovered this issue and made um and, and made this issue national and put it into, you know, Spotlight. OK, so I and, and as I mentioned before we left on the break, we have a new guest on the line. Her name is Barbara Blaine. She is the founder and the president of the Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests. And the reason why um, her organization and um, the work that she does for this organization, which is called Snap for short, uh, is so important is because they were mentioned in the film Spotlight as well. It was um, a local chapter uh, founder of Snap who pushed the Boston Globe to talk about this issue and to stop brushing it under the rug despite how much power and, and opposition they would get from the Catholic Church. So I wanted to invite Barbara. We have her on the line. Barbara? Hi, good morning. Yes. Good morning. In Chicago, it's still morning, guys. So good morning. We're here on the East Coast. Um, so, But um, the first thing that I wanted to ask, ask you about, uh, Barbara, is why has the Catholic Church been able to get away with this for so long? Why did it take, you know, It seemed like it almost took to the year 2002 for this issue to finally get um, some attention.
3: Well, I think church officials wanted to keep this secret, and we have learned that they've actually known for decades, and they were warned that it was widespread and systemic and that priests and other employees in the Catholic Church Um, were raping children. Mm. The problem is that most people want to believe that it's all history, and we believe it's still ongoing, and the, the situation hasn't really changed, and I would challenge anyone who says that it has to come up with real concrete evidence.
0: Well, I mean, there is a lot of pushback. When I was doing my research, there are a number of articles and organizations that are saying the church has invested millions of dollars into training priests, into training children to recognize when some, when a fellow peer is being abused and if they do um, happen to endorse some type of abuse to speak up. And this is going on in Catholic
3: schools as well as churches. But that is just common sense. Um... Best practices that any child welfare, welfare organization employs. And in fact, most schools, daycare centers, um, child protective services, they started those types of programs in the 80s and certainly by the early 90s. So for the Catholic Church to be touting that in 2012, 2016, it's really pathetic and they're patting themselves on the back for doing what they should have been doing for decades while they continue to conceal and cover up the sex crimes and the situation that's happening right now over in the vatican this weekend that neil huff just mentioned is is an exact example of this
0: this is like a restaurant bragging because they now require their employees to wash their hands Yes. Like, it's not that big of a deal,
2: you know. I actually want to go back a second, Barbara. Um, you know, and and ask the a question that it should be asked maybe at very at the very very beginning, which is why do you think that there are so many of these uh, priests that have uh, either always been abusers or who have become abusers in the Roman Catholic Church now. Obviously, we can see bad apples in all different types of religious groups, but we have not seen this type of scandal, say, uh, in different Protestant denominations, um, like Lutherans, such as, um, you know, Methodists. Like, what is it about the Catholic Church that seems to make this problem so specific to the Catholic Church? Or is it not about the Catholic Church? Is this maybe going on in other churches or other temples or other mosques? Um, Or is this a problem that's specific to the Roman Catholic Church? And if it is, why?
3: Well, I think it's really important to recognize that sexual violence against children or the vulnerable does happen any place where there is unbridled authority without accountability, and that's what we have in the Catholic Church. But the one thing that's very different is that in the Catholic Church, when a priest or a bishop is found um, to be violating children or vulnerable adults, what happens is that that priest or bishop is merely moved to a new location. They're not fired. They're not kicked out of the ministry. And um, unfortunately, what that has done is allowed perpetrators to go on and continue to abuse children for decades. That's what happened for in my particular case, where the priest started abusing me back in 1969 when I was 12, turning 13, and the thing is, is that he was, what I learned later, is that the church officials knew he was doing this before he got to me, and he was permitted to remain in ministry until 1992, when I was invited to be on the Oprah show, and the producers had contacted the church officials in Toledo, Ohio, my hometown, and... Um, And it was only because I had warned them that I was going to go on the show and that I was going to tell that they removed my perpetrator. Wow, that That
0: is... is you know, you know, Barbara. Um, I, I want to give people out there who are listening and have a, a question or a comment a chance to call in. The number is two one two six five zero six nine zero three. Off air, Alyssa and I were talking, and Alyssa had the question of, "Well, what is it that's attracting these pedophiles into the Catholic Church?" And that leads into something that I've been dying to ask, and, and that is, um, you know, if we if we look at Catholicism and the priests and the nuns, they have to take this vow of celibacy, and this is something that the movie Spotlight does address. And according to statistics, about fifty percent of all Catholic church, uh, clergy are not celibate. Most of them are having sex with adults, but then you have a large group of pedophile priests in there as well. Is there something that's it's going on? Is there some type of link or study that shows that a, a connection between celibacy and pedophilia?
3: Um, I don't believe that there is. In fact, what they um, what they say is that um, that. That they haven't seen, haven't pointed to an exact correlation, but there is no question that that vow of celibacy creates an environment that wherein secrecy and denial fester, and that's the exact kind of environment for a sexual perpetrator to um, continue to go after more and more victims.
0: Right, guys, and if you're just tuning in, again, the number is two one two six five zero six nine zero three and there was um, another point in the movie where um, the word um, it was called uh, a phenomenon right or the fact that there are so many priests um, victimizing young children um can, can you talk about how this is sort of um, been happening over and over again
3: well sure what happens is and um, and I think it's important to recognize that you were quoting the study that was done in 2004, but um, there have been ongoing studies to update that every year, and now, if you were to look at those same statistics, um, based on the church officials' own admission, the percentage of perpetrators is actually around 6%, not just 4%. Um, but at any rate, it's it's far more often than people want to believe, and It's really simple when you think about it. You know, um, we don't need a commission or any studies. Everyone knows when there's sex and a child and an adult that it's a crime, and we should call the police. But the Church tries to make this somehow so complex, and, you know, that's what this commission is over there in the Vatican this weekend studying. But the very fact that they set up a, a commission that, you know, Pope Francis is doing this, and he was heralded as this hero when he was here back in September, as you said, because he was going to set up a tribunal and that he had this commission, but it's really deceptive. Because- it, is,
0: it is deceptive. Um, we have on the line with us Barry, who would like to let his voice be heard on this very important topic. Barry, go ahead.
1: Yes, I, I want to call because you do, something dawned on me when you asked about celibacy factor. Uh, I think, Melissa, you were saying that you were doing some research on this subject?
2: No, I I wasn't on was celibacy. No, I think we were no. just asking our guest the question.
1: Okay, the, uh, one of y'all said y'all was doing some research on the background, some of these the statistics of this stuff. You know, but my question was this here is um okay. Speaking of celibacy, there's a lot of nuns that celibate. Is is the, have there been any statistics on uh the same things happening to, with the nuns and the young ladies or you know the,
3: the girls? Uh, Barbara, can you I'm answer that? Anything. Barbara. Yes, there have been many, um, there are cases where nuns are abusing boys and girls and that has not received as much attention as the priest abuse, but it, um, and we don't know how prevalent it is, but we have many members in SNAP who were abused by nuns and they are welcome to be members and can find hope and
2: healing. So, you know, actually, that brings me to another point, which is we talked about accountability and the Catholic Church, as you said, when uh, an adult has sex with a child, that is a crime and the Catholic Church tries to muddy up the waters to make it seem as though for some reason, let's do a tribunal and that might not be a crime or whatever, whereas a common sense person can say, yeah, that's a crime. Um, Do you have any numbers on how many priests have actually been prosecuted for sex abuse? And I'm going to go out on the limb and say, I'm going to presume it's a low number, uh, and if it is a low number, why not more?
3: Well, those, I mean, if you go with just what the church officials are willing to admit to, um, less than 2% of our perpetrators have been criminally prosecuted. Wow. And um, you're right, and when you said you suspect it's low, you are very correct, it is low, and they... Get away with it because they can. Because who wants to, who wants to really challenge or call? I mean, um, like, look at the popularity of Pope Francis th- today. Um, does any is anyone ready to po- po- call him out for enabling and, and harming more? I mean, allowing more children to be hurt. I don't think so. We we want to believe that that he's a hero. So. We turn our head the other way, but children remain at risk
0: today. Um, You know what, Barbara, that actually leads me to something else I wanted to bring up before we uh, close this segment, and that is, um, you know, Alyssa brought up how Pope Francis came to um, Philadelphia, and he was um, in the U.S. this summer, and one of the things he did talk about was he said, and I quote, God um, weeps, right, and he was talking about God weeps for the sexual abuse of children, but from my perspective, it seems like the church and the Pope haven't haven't done much more than simply just speak about the child abuse and acknowledge that it exists. And it, it seems like maybe, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, maybe some of the irresponsible practices that have been going into effect for so long, it, it seems like they're being continued in some way. And that's what um, is, is sort of allowing this problem to um, continue. I wanted to ask you, do you um, do you agree with that? And what are some of the steps and things that the Catholic Church should be doing to prevent
2: uh, these scandals and also to compensate the victims?
3: Well, I mean clearly there should be justice for the victims but um, and that hasn't happened by and large. For the most part, most victims receive no compensation. but um, when you when you ask what should the church do, it's really simple. Um, Pope Francis and the people in the Vatican should begin by just opening all their records about sex crimes and turn them over to police. They should post the names, of the credibly accused perpetrators on their websites and let people know the history of these dangerous men, and they should they should be rewarding whistleblowers who speak out instead of firing them. And you know, like Pete Saunders yesterday was fired from that commission over there in the Vatican because he was speaking out, and um, and they still want to maintain secrecy instead of protecting children and. It's not, just, it's not just me who's saying this or people in our organization of SNAP, but also there have been two independent investigations done by committees at the United Nations, the Committee on the Rights of the Child and the Committee Against Torture. And they have found the exact same patterns of, of cover-up, of putting the protection of children ahead of, I mean, putting the protection of the perpetrators ahead of protecting the children. And considering that they continue with that behavior, um, it's no wonder that, perpo- that, it, that it's still ongoing.
0: Barbara, I, I just um, want to thank you so much again for your advocacy on this issue, uh, for being a survivor yourself and going back and helping those who may not have found their voices yet to speak up. Um, and, and, and also for coming on our show today. Please let our listeners know how they can get further in touch with you and support your organization.
3: Well, they can get in touch with us at our website, snapnetwork.org, and if they wanted to make a donation to SNAP, they can um, merely send a text with the word survive to the phone number 80077, and that will give $10 to the organization and um, allow, and it will just be charged to the person's telephone bill.
0: Right. And uh, Alyssa, did you have some other
2: information to add? No, I was just going to say, we'll make sure to tweet that out for you.
0: All right. Thank you again, Barbara, for joining us here today. And I just wanted to, to close off by saying, um, you know, just repeating what the, the underlying theme here was today. And it's if this is something that Barbara said. Instead of protecting ourselves and and protecting the church and protecting this institution and protecting jobs, we're doing that more than protecting our own children. And that is extremely, extremely problematic. There was a certain time when the Catholic Church would actually implement smear campaigns to discredit victims. I mean, it's just, it it goes on for decades and, and decades. And then we wonder why there's so much, you know, different type of you know violence in the world and and people have all these different types of problems etc and it's like well if you're traumatized as a child how do you, and you can't speak out and then you're discredited and then you're victim blamed how do you expect that adult to, to, to become a productive member of society we're creating these quote unquote bad apples and, and the type of society that we see today by simply not protecting children I mean it, it's that's their foundation that's where people get their foundation and that's what determines a lot of times who they become as adults so I, I just wanted to say that and I think that another step that the Catholic church could definitely take is requiring all the reports of sexual abuse to actually be turned over to secular uh, authorities a lot of times they try to keep it in-house right and a lot of times we see things going on that may be wrong on the train or in our households or or with our neighbors and we always want to keep it quiet but that silence hurts somebody right and that's why it's so important for us all to be heard especially when it comes to protecting the most vulnerable members of our society children And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, Alyssa's coming back with the quickie. Don't go anywhere.